Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And and Lord, the, the music has already gotten a hold of my heart and my life. And Lord, I'm thankful for it. And Lord, even as the last song was just sung, help us to realize just how much we need you. Lord, no matter what happens in our life, no matter whether it's storms or trials or good times or bad times, help us always to be dependent on you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless us this morning as we study your word. Lord, thank for the time that we've been able to worship you in song. God, I pray that you'd be with us for the next few minutes to quiet out the distractions around us and listen to your voice and listen to what Solomon is trying to teach us as we continue this series. Heavenly Father, we love you. Christ in my prayer. Amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We're almost finished. A couple more weeks uh, we'll be finished with this series. Um, very thankful for what God has taught me uh, thus far in this study. So Ecclesiastes chapter 10, uh, one quick announcement. Those that are still planning on going to the missions trip after the service tonight, we'll have a quick meeting. Um, so if, you, if you're planning on going still, uh, meet in that discipleship room right after the services tonight, right after the discipleship classes. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Let's go ahead and stand if you would. Um, we're going to read a few verses this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savior, savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. So today, hopefully you've already figured out what we're going to talk about if you have a study guide with you. We're going to be talking about foolishness. Is anyone in here a fool? Anyone want to admit they're a fool? All right, I have three honest people today. Very good. Uh, there are a lot of us that make foolish decisions, right? Uh, I might give you an opportunity later in the message to share some of your foolish decisions, but not right now. Go ahead and sit down if you would. Thank you for standing. Uh, but this passage is another instrumental passage as we study God's Word, as we study the life of Solomon, as he's trying to give us, uh, help us understand, to find the meaning of life in this almost meaningless existence of life. And there's been many things, even this week as I was thinking about that, foolishness and wisdom, uh, I've made some foolish choices in my life. Uh, one of the most foolish purchases I made, uh, and I've shared this before, was uh, when my wife and I were in Indiana, um, we needed a hot water or um, a, uh, a water softener because the, Indi- the, the water in Indiana was hard. We needed something like that. And then we had one of those door-to-door salesmen came by, and he sold us this uh, water treatment system that cost like $5,000. And I was like, yes, I need that because I knew I needed a water softener, but I could have easily spent like $150 and got that. But I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But as I've shared before, the thing never worked like the whole time we had it. And we had to, finally, we got out, of, out from under it when we finally sold the house, but we had to pay on it, and we actually owed on the house because it was tied into the mortgage. And it was just, it was just a foolish decision. And I, I say that because there's, there's times in our life when we've made foolish purchases. And that was a very foolish purchase in my life and my, in my family's life because we had just gotten out of some debt, and I was like, oh, I can handle this now because I just eliminated some debt, so let me get more debt. That was so, so foolish. Anyone else have a story like that? I'm sure a lot of us do. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that tonight, so I encourage you to be in, your, in the classes tonight, and we'll give you an opportunity to maybe share some foolish decisions, foolish purchases in your life. But what Solomon has been doing the previous nine chapters is he's, in a sense, he's been on a journey. He's been trying to chase after the meaning of life, and as we found out, he has chased just about anything and everything under the sun. And what he discovered is that anything under the sun is vanity. It's vexation of the spirit, which means it leads to meaninglessness in life. And as we, again, turn the corner, as we come towards the end of of this great book, Solomon is starting to realize that foolishness is just that. It's foolishness. And there are a lot of things in life that we think are important, but aren't really that important. 
And really, if, if you want to give a better word for it, uh, foolishness, it's really so often in our life we chase after trivial things. We chase after things that really don't matter that much, aren't that important in the grand scheme of things. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people run. But what are some of the reasons why people run away from something? It's a hard question. Anybody? Fear. Michael? Fear. Fear? Okay, what else? What are some of the reasons people run away from something? Maddie? Shame. Shame? Okay, what else? What? It's too hard. It's too hard. One thing I was thinking is, especially if someone's chasing you, the reason I'm going to run away from them is because I'm trying to get beyond that, right? But those are good. Fear, shame, uh, other things like that. And what we see in chapter 10 is Solomon is trying to teach us to run away from foolishness and choose instead wisdom. Wisdom is very important. It's understanding God's word, understanding what he wants to teach us. And this word fool or foolishness or folly is mentioned nine times in this book. Folly can, or in this chapter, folly can be exceedingly sinful or merely trivial and wasteful. But the point is this, trivial things so often destroy valuable things. And we've been talking about what is valuable for the past several weeks, choosing the things that are important in our lives, that God is honored by those things. And trivial things so often, listen, become treacherous things. Trivial things so often become treacherous things. And again, I'm going to dive much deeper into this subject tonight and that, that thought. But what I mean is that choosing foolishness leads to destruction. There are a lot of things in life that destroy. And one of the biggest things that is uh, a devastating thing in life uh, that, that leads to self-destruction is really foolishness. Foolish choices, foolish purchases, whatever it is. And in this chapter, Solomon is contrasting again. He's contrasting between wisdom and foolishness. And he links some very interesting concepts here. Dead flies, deep pits, dull axes, snake charmers, and birds. And all of this ties together. So let's go ahead and dive into the message this morning. And the first thing we see in the first seven verses is this. The disgrace of foolishness. The disgrace of foolishness. Now here's what we are going to learn. Here's what we're going to discover in these verses this morning. Foolishness destroys a person's reputation and character. Foolishness destroys a person's reputation and character. And again, I want that thought to stay with you. Let's look at verse number one again. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savior. Let me uh, interpret this if you can't understand it. Dead flies cause perfume to stink. <laughs> Dead flies cause perfume to stink. So if you have a bunch of death in, in something, it's going to eventually cause it to stink. And that's really the first point under here where we're trying to look at it. Foolishness stinks. It's a simple concept, but foolishness stinks. Even the most minute, small, trivial foolishness can cause our life to stink. Here, here's what I mean. Let me, let, me, let me try to explain it even further. I have a bag with me today. And again, it's for illustrative purposes this morning. Uh, inside the bag is a great thing that many of us have used before, a diaper. Now, this is a clean diaper. I was going to get one of the, you know, my son's dirty diapers, but that would just be horrible. That would be horrible. Um, but the point, the point that I'm trying to make is this. A small diaper that is full of disgusting nastiness, it's a great way to put it, disgusting nastiness can cause an entire house or room to what? Stink. Yes, exactly. So we understand, even though it's small, even though it's, you know, it's, it's insignificant in the sense, it still causes an entire place to stink. So think about that in, in the concept of foolishness. One small decision that you chose in your life that was wrong, that was foolish, can still cause your life to stink. And that's what Solomon is trying to get to this morning. It can ruin your reputation. It can destroy your character. In Solomon's day, what he's referring to specifically here, fragrances were mixed with oil to make lotions, much like fragrant moisturizers that we use today. 
The oil would soothe the skin and fragrance would refresh the body, but dead flies floating in a container would ruin the appearance and destroy the value of the perfume. So what this verse reminds me of is this concept that even small things, listen, have consequences. Even small things have consequences. And it's very easy to justify things, isn't it? Anybody justify your actions sometimes when you're wrong? Look, I'm guilty of this just as much as the next person. You know, we've been really trying to hit this home with our boys, uh, Nate and Noah. Noah's two will be three here in just another couple months. Uh, Nate will be six in June. But we're trying to help them understand that even small decisions that they make of disobedience have consequences. But again, it's very easy to justify things. And and, and as parents, sometimes, you know, sometimes our our anger, our wrath just comes out right away. Sometimes, you know, we keep saying, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, next time, you know, you're going to get it. And then 52 times later, next time, you're going to get it, right? Next time, you're going to get it. The kid eventually figures out, well, I'm just going to keep doing it until mom and dad actually punish me. But the point that I'm trying to make is that a small sin still has consequences, when our boys disobey us, and again, we've been, we've been struggling with this. You know, Noah, as I've referred to before, and we love him, but he is our beast. He's our banshee. He's whatever you want to call him. He's a great kid. We love him with all of our heart. He's very sweet. He's very tender. Uh, but, you know, he likes to pick on his brother. He loves, as the younger, to pick on Nate. And Nate is very tenderhearted as well. And, you know, he can push him down and stuff like that, as most, you know, big brothers do. But a lot of times he doesn't fight Noah. But Noah likes to fight Nate, <laughs> So we're trying to help Noah understand that, Noah, you cannot do that. And then there's certain consequences that have to come with it. Maybe be a spanking or maybe taking something away. So we're trying to help them understand that even a small thing of pushing your brother when we said don't push him, it's a consequence. But again, the point I'm trying to make is we justify our actions, right? And again, it, it goes to that you know, lifelong thing that all the ends justify the means. Well, when you really study that, that's kind of an unbiblical concept because what we do is, well, I had to steal, I had to cheat in order to really help myself and help my family. Again, what we're doing is taking control of things that aren't ours to control. And we're basically saying that, God, you can't handle this situation, so I am going to sin, I'm going to steal, I'm going to cheat, I'm going to lie to make sure that I get what I need. Understand what I'm saying? So even a small thing that we think is small in God's eyes has consequences. And what Solomon is saying is that is foolishness. And foolishness, just like dead flies in ointment, causes things to stink. And some people just cannot get beyond this fact in their life that small things have consequences. Look, we have rules in all of life. Everywhere in life, we have rules and regulations that we're supposed to follow. And if we can't follow them, then there has to be consequences, right? I think we're all understanding of that. And the Bible is no different. Some people have a hard time with that in church that, you know, the church makes a rule and, well, the church shouldn't have a rule. Well, the Bible has rules. We're supposed to follow God's rules, God's ordinances, what he wants us to do. And really, here, here's the thing. This, this passage, it's deep and it's very convicting. And here's what I mean. It's talking about foolishness. It's talking about running away from foolishness. And as I read this passage, as I studied this passage this week, it was very convicting to me because I realized how often in my life I'm fool. How often in my life I am foolish because I do foolish things instead of chasing after wisdom. Instead of chasing after things that are meaningful, I chase after things that are meaningless, that are trivial, and it ruins sometimes my reputation. My character. Sometimes it ruins my reputation with my wife, with my family, when I don't act in the way that a dad should act, a husband should act. So again, foolishness stinks. As we continue on, this disgrace of foolishness, look at verse 2 and 3. A wise man's heart is in his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. This is not political here. It's not talking about if you're on the right side of things, you're better. If you're on the left side of things, you're a fool. It's not what it's talking about. Let me just set that straight. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. So the, the second principle that we see here is this. Foolishness cannot be hidden. Foolishness cannot be hidden. A fool will make known to others that they are a fool by the way that they act, by the way that they talk, by the way that they respond to things. A fool makes their folly known. And the truth is you cannot hide being a fool. Just a little folly 
outweighs a lifetime of wisdom and honor. Why is one person foolish and another person wise? Well, it all depends on the inclinations of the heart. But in the ancient world, when Solomon is referencing the right hand and the left hand here, in the ancient world, the right hand was the place of power and honor, while the left hand represented weakness and rejection. Many people considered the left side to be unlucky. The English word sinister comes from the Latin word that means on the left hand. Since the fool doesn't have wisdom in his heart, he gravitates towards that which is wrong, that which is on the left, and gets into trouble. And here's the truth. Most people can spot a fool, except for the fool. Most people can spot a fool, except for the fool. Because in the fool's eyes, they're not foolish. But verse 3 is telling us that people try to correct the fool, but they refuse to listen. And by refusing to listen to the wisdom of others, the counsel of others, all this does is it shows everyone else that you're a fool. Understand? We all know that to be true. We've all met fools sometimes by looking in the mirror, right? We've met that foolish person, that foolish decision that we made. And I, I, I'll, I'll point to myself today. There's been many times where people in my life, and I, I go back to, to a lot of my past, uh, when I was growing up with my parents, and even early on after I graduated college, uh, there were many things that my dad and my mom tried to instruct me in that I just didn't listen because I knew better, because I had more wisdom than they did. I mean, that's just the simple truth of the matter. It's not. <laughs> I thought it was the simple truth. I thought I had more wisdom than my parents. I thought my parents were fools. And they tried to help me, instruct me, guide me in my life. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I know best. I'm a 16-year-old kid. I know everything. I mean, I'm a sophomore in high school. I just got my license. I know everything. I just graduated college. I know everything. But I realize now how foolish I was. And my foolishness was made known to those around me, to my parents, to friends, to family members. Just like sometimes your foolish is known to other people as well. You know, when Solomon speaks of keeping your heart in your right hand, think of it this way. A fool is the one, listen to me, that's going to fly off the handle at the smallest triviality. You know people like that? <laughs> Again, we can probably put our hands up on that. We've all been in situations where something happened and, and looking back, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? But how many of us, honestly, how many of us have flown off the handle in a fit of rage in a situation that really was pretty trivial? Yeah, most of us. We've done that. And right there, that speaks of foolishness. That speaks of a fool. They fly off the handle at the smallest thing, the smallest triviality. But listen, a wise man will respond with respect and control to those around him. And again, I've been on both sides of this coin. I've been on the side of the coin. I go back to with my parents. I've been on the side of the coin with, with my parents when they tried to instruct me. And I'm like, you don't know anything. And then I hit the wall and went up to my room and left a handprint in the wall. That was foolish. <laughs> and then I've been on the other side of the coin where my parents instructed me, and I had a right heart, and had a right attitude. I was like, you know what? They're right. I don't like what they're saying, but they're actually trying to help me. And here's the thing. No one, no one likes correction, do they? Anyone like correction? I mean, I don't think anyone likes correction. We don't like that. It's part of life. And really, a wise person will realize that if someone is correcting them, not, not just because they don't like them, but they're trying to correct them in the truth and love of God's word, then they're going to respond wisely. They're going to respond with a good heart, with a good attitude. But a fool will say, I could care less what you say. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And being a pastor the past four years specifically, I've met both sides of the equation. <laughs> I've met people that I've counseled with that were very wise that I had to be hard with and harsh with in my counsel. And they took it in a wise manner. They didn't like it, but they realized that this was for their betterment. And then I've also met people that I've counseled with that could care less what I said, and they were going to do whatever they wanted to do. And all it showed me was how foolish they were because they couldn't take correction. You know, Solomon refers to that person in Proverbs as a scorner. 
And we're not going to go on to that for, for, for this morning, but I want you to listen. Much of our stirring, much of our searching, much of our restless pursuits in life come out of the folly of the human heart. And listen to me. You can destroy your character and reputation with one act of foolish behavior. You know, some people that are in jail today, now maybe they've been leading up to it with a life of crime, but some of them, honestly, they made one foolish choice. One wrong decision. <laughs> Started hanging out with the wrong crowd, and all of a sudden it led to a foolish choice, and there was a huge consequence with that. But it doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are today, how young you are. Listen, foolish behavior is unbecoming of a Christian. Foolish behavior is unbecoming of a Christian. No amount of affluence or influence or intelligence or experience can provide enough fragrance to cover up the stench of dead flies or dirty diapers. And a fool destroys their reputation, destroys their character. Other people might not be able to spot it, but God always spots it. Let's continue on, verse number four. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly, foolishness, is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low places. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. What he's talking about here is foolishness in high places. You can talk about government or authority type situations. The picture in verse number four is this. It's of a proud ruler who easily becomes angry or takes his anger out on those around him. And again, many of us have done this. Many parents have done this, if we're honest. Many grandparents have done this, if they're honest. We've taken our anger, our frustration out on someone, like our child, grandchild, that did not deserve it. They set us off for something, but really it didn't show us our maturity, it showed us our foolishness. But what Solomon is referencing here is another passage that he had mentioned in Proverbs, where he says in Proverbs 25, 28, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. In the ancient world, they had walls surrounding the city to protect themselves. So if you can't control your own spirit, you're like a city that's just waiting for someone to attack you. There's no form of barrier. There's no form of defense. And a lot of times in our foolishness, we don't submit to the authority. We don't submit to the, the person that is over us, the, the control factor that is over us. And here's the truth. If you can't control your own emotions, then how are you going to control others around you? You can't. It's not, it's not possible. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. And the idea Solomon is trying to get across here in these four verses is this. Even in a difficult situation, because often in life we are placed in a difficult situation where the one in charge of us or the one over us isn't maybe the best person. We might have had bosses or, or people that we were under that really weren't a good leader, but they were still authority. So it's very easy to say, well, because they're not a good leader, I'm not going to listen to them. But we still have an opportunity, we still have a responsibility to listen, to be obedient. The Bible says, obey them that have rule over you, Why? right? And submit yourselves. But the idea seems to be this, even in a difficult situation, do not leave your post. Be faithful to your position, and you will find that consolation pacifies great offenses. Look, we've been talking about this for the past many weeks. Life is not fair, is it? And sometimes we're placed in situations that are anything but fair. We have people over us that are, that are not fair, that are not right, that are not wise, and it doesn't make sense. Again, we can talk political here, and we have people in, uh, in politics, in, in uh, places of authority, that shouldn't be in places of authority. And you think about it, these are foolish people that have risen to the ranks, and then we have wise people that have been made lower. It doesn't make sense. And that's what he's saying here. Life isn't fair, but choosing wisdom over folly is the most valuable thing. Oftentimes in life and culture, foolish men are promoted or accepted to positions of great leadership, while some lowly men are unwisely exalted. That's why he says servants on horses. And then noble men are humbled. Princes walk on the ground like servants. You know, it's amazing what a steady hand, though, can do. 
to calm a storm. Weather the storm, and there will be better weather ahead, is really the principle Solomon is getting at. So the first thing we see this morning is the disgrace of foolishness. And then we go a little bit deeper this morning, and this is where it gets even more convicting. The evidence of foolishness. The evidence of foolishness. Over the next 13 verses, Solomon gives us some evidence of a fool. Verse number 8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. And the first thing he's talking about here is careless lifestyles, verses 8 through 10. Anyone ever dug a ditch? Digging a ditch is hard work, isn't it? It's very hard work. But listen, digging a ditch without caution isn't just hard, it's dangerous. What I mean is, if someone digs a ditch, oh, i, I got to dig this ditch. But they don't use caution, they don't use discernment, they don't use judgment. There could be something under the ground that they're digging that they didn't realize because I'm just going to dig this ditch. I need to dig this ditch, and it's got to be right here. They didn't do the research, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, pipeline explodes or, you know, gas leak or anything can happen. Lose our electricity, whatever it is. So what I'm saying is that uh, digging without caution is very dangerous. Look, Solomon, listen, is not condemning work. He's not saying you shouldn't work. He's not saying you should be lazy. He's condemning foolishness over wisdom. We've all been there. We've all rushed into projects that we didn't have the proper tools, right? You ever rushed into a project? You ever done something? You didn't have the proper tools and it didn't turn out well? I've done that many times. Many times in my life, in my home, I've done a project without the proper tools and it didn't turn out well. There's been some times where fortunately somehow it turned out well with enough duct tape. But a lot of times it did not turn out well. So what he's saying is one man digs a pit and perhaps or a well, a place to store grain, but he fell into the pit himself. Why? Because he lacked wisdom and failed to take proper precautions. He didn't prepare himself. He just dug and started digging. All of a sudden he fell in. How foolish is to dig a pit and then fall in the pit. Then he goes on. Another man broke through the hedge, a wall, a fence. Perhaps maybe he was remodeling a house. And, and while he was doing that, verse number nine, a serpent bit him. A snake bit him. Serpents often found their ways into hidden crevices and corners. And the man, that, uh, the, the man should have been more careful. But here's what happened because he started tearing through that wall. He wasn't cautious. He got a little overconfident. You ever get overconfident in yourself and your abilities? Oh, yeah, all the time. And again, we can go off on this for a long time. But I, I've seen this in my own work sometimes, how in my overconfidence, I've done something and it really bit me. <laughs> That's the point Solomon is making. In your overconfidence, I don't need any help. I don't need to look at anything. I got this. I'm going to knock it down. And then we cause more devastation. We cause more damage. We cause more work for ourselves, all because of our foolishness. Because I got to get through this wall and I got to knock it down. But did you check to see if there were snakes inside of it? Because that snake is probably going to bite you once you start knocking it down. I like what Tony Evans says on this subject. He says, wisdom doesn't eliminate all the negative contingencies, but wisdom does give great advantages. And we look at verses 9 and 10 specifically. It's easy to insert ourselves in various stages of life into this picture. You know, we talked about doing a job without proper tools. And what he's talking about here is, is cutting wood with an ax that is not sharp. Now, you can cut through wood, but it's going to take a long time, isn't it? But what happens if you sharpen that blunt edge of the ax? It's going to go through it a lot quicker, a lot easier. But how often in our lives, in our foolishness, we see something that needs to be done. Well, the, the edge needs to be sharpened, but, you know, I, I don't have time for that right? I don't have time to do that. So I'm just going to keep cutting, keep cutting and keep cutting. And it gets more work. It's like the old adage. It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. The smarter thing for this person, this axeman would have been to do what? To sharpen his ax. The smart thing for us, the wise thing for us in our lives is to realize that there might be time that we need to take a few minutes to make sure we have all the pieces in, in, in order. 
instead of just rushing through, instead of just hurrying through and foolishly doing something. Because we don't want to run out of gas. I'm just throwing that out there for someone in the audience today. Anyway, let's continue on. But I've done some foolish things in my life. You know, I, I cut my hair a lot of times. I've cut my hair since college. And there's been times where in cutting my hair, I didn't sharpen the clippers. That's a bad thing, Tasha, right? It hurt. I mean, it hurt. I finished, but it hurt. I could have taken just a few minutes to sharpen the clippers or oil the clippers or whatever it was. But I'm like, no, 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 I got this. But how foolish was that? And yet all of us can have stories like that, right? Of our own foolishness, instead of really thinking smarter, working smarter, no, 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 I, I, I got to get this done. Again, it just shows our own foolishness. I like what F.B. Meyer says, and it's almost a little contrast on this, but he says, surely more work is done by a blunt edge and divine power than a sharp edge and little power. So what he's saying is that even having a blunt edge but using God's power is still better than having a sharp edge without God's power. But what Solomon is trying to teach us here is that work smarter. Wisdom will put the edge of effectiveness on the dullness of life lived in folly. Allow God to sharpen you. Allow God to use your bluntness. God's power is infinite and limitless. Let me continue on, verses 11 through 14. He talked about careless lifestyles. Now, this is where it really gets deep. This is where it really hits home today for many of us. He talks about foolish talkers. Look at verse number 11. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of the wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool is, is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be, and what shall be after him who can tell him. Verse 15, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. You know, I, I haven't met one in person, but anyone actually been face to face with, face -to -face with a snake charmer? No? I mean, they're, they're very intriguing, aren't they? I mean, they, are, they really are. It, it draws a crowd. Um, you know, the, the snake charmer, the snake enchanter, you know, they're, they're blowing their little you know, whistle or whatever it is, their flute, and you know, all of a sudden the snake rises up and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind, of, kind of a cool thing, but here's the truth. No one can control a snake. Can you? No one can control a snake. I mean, they might have it in, in control for a minute, but then all of a sudden that snake could just lash out at them and bite them. <laughs> and that's, that's, what we're, that's what he's talking about here. The same is true of uncontrolled speech. Anyone struggle with your speech? With your talk? Yes, all of us, really. We all struggle with our speech, with our talk. And it might not be, well, I struggle with cussing. It might just be our harsh nature of our speech. Towards a friend, towards a family member, towards a spouse, towards a child, towards a teacher. You know, no matter how much others might try to charm the tongue, the tongue is full of venom. And I like what Warren Wearsby identifies some toxic qualities in the next couple of verses. Here's what he says in verse number 12. The tongue is destructive. Here's what I mean. Wise men speak graciously no matter the occasion. No matter what just happened to you, no matter what just happened in your family, in your situation, in your life, a wise person will speak graciously. But a fool blurts out whatever's on their mind. Anyone guilty of that? <laughs> there we go. We got honest people today. Good. So what he's saying is foolish tongues are destructive. And look, I am just as guilty as the next person. You can ask my wife. I, I have done that. Instead of acting graciously, I just blurted out whatever's on my mind, and that did more damage, right? It did more destruction, That's foolishness. Verse number 13. Another toxic quality of the foolish tongue is, one, it's destructive, but two, it's unreasonable. Look at verse 13. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. Here's what he's saying. A fool's words start with folly and end in madness. What I mean is this. this. They don't make sense. 
You know, people that are talking and what they're saying just doesn't make sense. They're unreasonable, and you cannot talk to them because what they're saying and what they're arguing doesn't even make sense. It's destructive. It's unreasonable. The third thing, verse 14, it's uncontrolled. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? I like what Solomon says here. A man's tongue is full of words. Basically, you can spot a fool because they won't shut up. Sometimes. They know about everything, and they let you know that they know about everything. (laughs) That is true. But the point he's saying is that it's uncontrolled. And look, many of us are guilty. Many of us know people that are guilty of this. We just can't control because we just have to show how wise we are, how how understanding we are of everything, how knowledgeable we are. Well, all we're doing is showing how foolish we are because we can't even control our tongues. So it's destructive, it's unreasonable, it's uncontrolled. I could go deeper into that. Turn, Turn over to Proverbs 10, verse 19. Let me just read a verse that kind of goes with that one. Proverbs 10, verse 19, because this is good. Again, this is Solomon, primary author of the book of Proverbs. He says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is what? Wise. So what he's saying is sin is going to come in when you just can't quit talking. When you have to show everyone how smart you are, how much knowledge you have about this. And I've met people like that. And sometimes I've been guilty of being that person. But those people are annoying aren't they? Because they know everything about everything and they just won't shut up, but they're uncontrolled and all they're doing is showing you how foolish they are. And again, I'm saying this is convicting because really it shows in a lot of our lives how foolish we can be when we can't even control our tongue and control our speech. James references that the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. But then the last thing, Not only is the tongue destructive, a toxin of the tongue, it's unreasonable, it's uncontrolled, but the final thing in the last part of verse 14 and 15, it's this, it's boastful. It's boastful. Let me read 14 again. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? No one can tell him. He just knows everything. She knows everything. But then verse number 15, this is is where it gets good. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. So this is interesting. And again, it might be like, I have no clue what that's saying. So in the ancient world, they had, um, their roads were very clearly marked how to get to the city. Just like a lot of times, it's, it's very clearly marked how to get to certain places. So what this is saying is a fool doesn't even look at the, the, the signs and can't even find their way to the city because they're just babbling on. They just keep going on. So how foolish when the sign is right in front of you, the city is right there, and we go this way. That's what Solomon is referencing here. (laughs) They're boastful. I know about everything. Well, if you know about everything, why can't you find your way into the city? (laughs) You see how comical it is? It really is. They're boastful about all that they know, all that they do. But a foolish man, listen, shows their ignorance on the future. Foolish people talk about the future as if they know the future and can control the future. And there's a bit of humor here. The fool boasts about his future plans and wearies people of his talk, but he can't even find his way into the city. That is right in front of him. And it's funny because the roads were very clearly marked. Look, these are toxic. Listen, but how often are these marked in our own speech? How often is our own speech destructive, unreasonable, uncontrolled, boastful. And again, let's let's justify it. But but there's a reason why I I lashed out at my coworker. There's a reason why I went off on my kids. There's a reason why I went off on my wife because there's only seven miles in the gas tank. There's a reason for those things. I'm just saying things today. There's a reason for those things. But how foolish when it's destructive unreasonable, uncontrolled, boastful. Again, we like to justify our actions, but sin is still sin, right? 
In God's eyes, sin is still sin. It's still wrong. It's not right to just go off on someone. I don't care how they treated you. I don't care what they said to you. It is not right to render or return evil for the evil that was given to you, right? We're not supposed to do that. If someone does evil to us, it's very difficult not to do evil to them. It's very difficult not to lash out them or just punch at them in their face or whatever it is. It's very difficult to control our emotions, but a wise person learns to control their emotions. But a foolish person is destructive, unreasonable, uncontrolled, and boastful. I want you to listen to the destruction of a tongue. Richard Strauss tells a story of the dangerous and scandalous impact of gossip. There was a mother in a small North Dakota community that hadn't been very well since the birth of her second child, but everyone knew that she had tried hard to create an atmosphere of love in her home. The neighbors could see the young wife and their two small children getting the, uh, greeting the father at the door each evening with hugs and kisses when he came home from work. In the summer, when the windows were open, they could hear the laughter and joyous fun coming from inside of the house. Then one day, a village gossip whispered that the man was being unfaithful to his wife, a story that was completely without basis or facts. It was passed on by others and eventually came to the wife's ear. It was more than she could bear. One evening when her husband came home, no one met him at the door. There was a deathly silence in the air. The man had found that his wife had taken her own life as well as her own two children. The man was overcome by grief. His innocence was later proven to all, but the gossip's tongue had already done its work. And that's why Solomon refers in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch your words. Watch what you say. In your own foolishness, it can destroy someone's home, destroy someone's life, destroy their marriage. This lady, I mean, there could have been a, a myriad of reasons why she did this, but the gossip got back to her it was more than she could bear. So she took her kid's life and she took her own life. All because one foolish woman that couldn't keep her mouth shut about things that she had no clue that she was talking about. The final thing, it's already been on the screen, but watch what you say. Skip down to verse number 20. Curse not the king. No, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You know, the statement echoes a statement in our culture. You know, we've all heard it said, well, a little, little birdie told me, right? You know, we hear something. You know, maybe Solomon was being a little prophetic here. Maybe he was, you know, referencing, you know, future Twitter, you know, with tweets and birds and stuff like that. Probably not. Anyway. But the point is this. Here's what he's saying. The point is that those who are under authority are inevitably going to be frustrated with authority, right? If you're under someone else, no matter what situation of life is, if you're a child, you're ultimately going to be frustrated by your parents, right, kids? Ultimately, it's, it's kind of part of life. If you're under a boss, you're going to be frustrated with their authority. This could be a kid with their parent. It could be a wife with their husband. It could be uh, an employee with their boss, a citizen with their president, a Christian with their pastor. But listen, what we say too often has a way of coming back to haunt us, doesn't it? And we say something in confidence, right, to someone, but then, hey, don't say this to anyone. But then all of a sudden, somehow it gets out. That shows our own foolishness. And that's what he's saying, and since the bird in the air, it, it always, it, it's inevitable, it seems like. It always gets to the people that it needs to get to. It always gets out. And we are horrible about this on social media today because, oh, if I post it, you know, no one's going to see it. What? I can post whatever I want. They don't see my face and I'm not saying it. So how foolish, how foolish we are. Watch what you say. Word eventually gets around to those that we made fun of, that we criticized, that we ran it against, which only hurts not only them, but us. There's no winner. You think about this. When are you most prone to vent, to leak, to joke, to rant about someone? You know, I've, I've been very guilty of this. 
There's a time, I might have referenced this story before, but there's a time when I was working with my dad in Indiana, and he just made me mad. Something. And I went to text Amanda. I was just texting about my dad and just how I was just, you know, upset with him. Found out I texted my dad. Because <laughs> he texted back, he's like, uh, was this supposed to go to me? Nope. <laughs> Couldn't delete it. <laughs> but it was foolish because why did I have to go off in the first place? God stopped me right away, and I'm thankful. I was able to apologize, ask for forgiveness, and, you know, make things right. But here's, here's, here's what Solomon is closing with. Look, use discernment. And this thought is suggestive. A king may hear of my wrongdoings and I may suffer because of it, even though I did not know he can learn of it. And the same is true of the wrongdoings that we do before a holy and righteous God. God knows what we say. God knows what we do. A fool will just utter whatever they want to utter. But a wise person will learn to be discreet, to be to use discernment, to use wisdom. Look, a little foolishness can override a lot of wisdom. You can make 100,000 wise choices, but one foolish decision can derail you, can haunt you, can destroy you for the rest of your life. When it comes to foolishness, a little goes a long way. It can hijack your reputation and be the very thing that everyone remembers you for. I want to close this illustration. It's very applicable. Some of you might have heard this story, but on December 29, 1972, Eastern Airlines Flight 401 took off with 163 passengers and 13 crew members. The plane left New York's JFK at 9.20 p.m. and reached Miami International Airport around 11.32 p.m. The flight had been all routine until the co-pilot lowered the landing gear, and that's when everything happened. The little green light didn't go on. This little light was a simple indicator letting the pilots know that the landing gear was off, or it was down. The pilot cycled the landing gear again, and again the lights remained off. The captain called the tower, and they would delay the landing to figure out the problem. The tower instructed the plane to climb to around 2,000 feet and fly west over the Everglades. The plane was placed in autopilot, and an engineer climbed down to see if he could catch a glimpse of the landing gear to see if it was actually in locked position. Meanwhile, several crew members removed the light assembly to see what was going on with that. But something happened that was very unnoticed by the pilot and the crew within a minute and a half of calling the tower. Within a few minutes of turning on the autopilot, one of the pilots accidentally bumped the plane out of autopilot. This would be just like you do if you barely pump the brakes and all of a sudden your car goes out of um, cruise control. Tiny forward pressure on the steering column caused the plane to start descending, but it was very gradual, unnoticed, into the dark Everglades. The descent was so gradual that no one felt it, and because of the darkness, the pilot and the co-pilot never realized that they were descending. The plane dropped several hundreds of feet before the altitude warning chimed, but no one noticed because they were all focused on the landing gear. When investigators listened to the cockpit recording afterward, the pilot and co-pilot gave no indication of having heard the chime. The descent was so gradual that no one ever realized they were descending because they were so focused on the light bulb and failed to concentrate on flying the plane. Eventually, the co-pilot took the controls and started another turn. At this point, only really about three or four minutes had passed, he noticed the discrepancy in the readings. The cockpit recording reflect this. The co-pilot, uh, we did something to the altitude. The pilot, what? Co-pilot, we're, we're still at 2,000 feet, right? The pilot, hey, what's happening here? But it was too late. A few seconds later, a perfectly good airplane, flown by perfectly competent pilots, crashed at 227 miles in the Everglades, 19 miles from the airport. 94 passengers and five crew members died instantly. Only about 75, 77 people actually survived. For four crucial minutes, the flight team focused on a light bulb rather than their flight. 
I'm not saying the light bulb wasn't important. But instead of focusing on the most important thing, flying the plane, they focused on something that was really trivial. You see, this is such an applicable illustration to close this message this morning. Many of us are steering towards darkness and we don't even know it. And by the time we know it, it's too late. Because we've allowed foolishness and trivial pursuits to cloud out what's most important. In the darkness, we don't often see our own descent. But it's only a matter of time before we crash. Solomon has been challenging us here, church, to focus on what's valuable. He's challenged us to be intentional about the valuable and now he's challenging us to, char- to guard against foolishness or to guard against trivial. And again, we're going to dive much deeper into this subject tonight and this thought. But so often what happens is the trivial, which is meaningless, becomes treacherous. Because we can't control our mouth. Because we rush into a job without looking at all the variables to see if it's actually something that we should do. Or we rush into a job and do work without even having all the right tools All we do is show our own foolishness. We show our own folly. But Christians are called to be wise, and Solomon's going to close this out in the next two chapters. But at the same time, we have to learn to be aware of the ways of a fool. It takes wisdom to watch out for fools. It takes discernment to help a wise person learn from the fool. Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17, the Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And really, what the will of the Lord is, that we walk towards wisdom, that we chase after wisdom instead of chasing after foolishness. And the core truth that we close with this morning is this. Learn to guard against the trivial. Learn to run from folly. Folly, listen, is a form of immaturity. And wisdom is a form of maturity. Immaturity is self-serving, while maturity is others-focused. I want to encourage you to not allow the trivial to become the treacherous. And again, as I looked at this passage and studied from God's Word and many commentaries that I read this week, it was very convicting in my own life of how I've shown my own immaturity at times focusing on something that wasn't that important. And how my immaturity was self-serving. How it was so focused on myself and what I wanted. And I'm going to get my point across no matter who hears it or not. I don't really care. I'm going to say this and I don't really care what happens. That's immature. That's foolish. But a mature person is going to be focused on others. And that's what our whole theme for this year is. Making an impact is making an impact. We can't make an impact if we're immature, right? We can't make an impact if we're foolish, but we can make the impact that God wants us to make if we are wise, if we understand what God's will is, and we, instead of focusing on the trivial, we focus on what's valuable. And we learn from the trivial, place value in the important things of life.